0: You are listening to a sermon by Ted Hamilton, Senior Pastor of New Life Presbyterian Church in Escondido, California. For more information about New Life, visit us online at newlifepca.com. That's N-E-W-L-I-F-E-P-C-A dot com. Daniel, here we go. Jim Houston, many of you will remember Jim Houston, some of you won't. Jim was an elder here. Worship leader died in 2016 uh, at the age of 62 of multiple myeloma uh, after a 15 year long battle with it. Uh, Jim was, among other things, an author, and when he died, he had just started writing a new book. He'd come to a point in his life when he uh, recognized that God was not likely going to heal him of his cancer. And on the day he died, this, the, the, the new book was the only open file on his, uh, on his laptop. Uh, he hadn't gotten too far. Uh, he had the title page, he had the table of contents, so he kind of worked out where he was going to go, and, and the first paragraph of the first chapter. Um, but what I want you to hear is the title, his working title, of the book was this but even if he doesn't thoughts on suffering when God is silent Uh, but even if he doesn't thoughts on suffering when God is silent that title of course that phrase but even if he doesn't comes from the text we are about to read in Daniel 3 uh, when Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego respond to Nebuchadnezzar's Uh, threat to execute them by burning them alive if they do not bow down and worship uh, his golden statue. And at verses 16 through 18, here's what they say, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he doesn't, Be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Great heroic statement of of faith that we're going to unpack today. Um, Jim, of course, writing to affirm uh, that faith in the living God is is the proper response even, even when you are facing unwanted dying. So our text today is Daniel three. Daniel three contains the whole event of the the fiery furnace, and I was tempted to do the whole thing, but uh, I, the temptation is to rush ahead to to the to the fiery furnace and the rescue, and uh, I think in rushing we we miss too much. So I split it into we're going to look at the first half today, culminating in in this statement of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then next Sunday, we'll be looking at the actual uh, Fiery Furnace uh, episode. So this is the the prelude to it. Daniel 3, 1 through 18. If you don't have a Bible, it's printed for you in your bulletin. Uh, Please stay seated given the length of the reading. It's God's word. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. Whose height was 60 cubits, that's 90 feet, and, and its breadth six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And when they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, Excuse me, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so... Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. This is God's word. Before we unpack it, let's let's pray for the Lord's help. Father... um, By your spirit and through this word, would you please come and convict us and encourage us and build us up in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Well, if you are uh, thinking perhaps that this story is a bit remote from you, uh, culturally and historically. Uh, then let me remind you of another uh, man, Pastor Andimi, Lawan Andimi from Nigeria. Um, it was only two years ago, January of 2020, uh, just before COVID, uh, when uh, Pastor Andimi was kidnapped in Nigeria by Boko Haram, the uh, Nigerian based Islamic terrorist organization Uh, shortly after his kidnapping Boko Haram released a video of him a hostage video of him Uh, we're sort of used to seeing those videos now this video was different Um, there was no tearful pleading uh, by Pastor Andimi for rescue there was no panicked indication of what Uh, uh, Boko Haram was threatening to do to him. Um, uh, Instead, Pastor Andimi gave us a modern-day Shadrach moment. He said on the video, uh, looking straight at the camera, uh, by the grace of God, I will be together with my wife, my children, and my colleagues. But if the opportunity is not granted... It's the will of God. Be patient. Don't cry. Don't worry. But thank God for everything. Another African leader who knew Pastor Andimi, commenting on his remarkable composure and his uh, stirring words, Uh, was quoted in in a news story uh, saying uh, Pastor Andimi appeared as one who's already conquered death uh, saying to his abductors and to the rest of us that he is ready to die for his faith in Christ. Uh, It was not long thereafter that uh, another video uh, was released showing Pastor Andimi being beheaded. So this is... uh, this is he had a you know a different result than the original Shadrach, uh, and yet the same faith. Right? This episode really shows us what faith is, what living by faith uh, in Jesus Christ looks like in a culture like ours that challenges our faith, undermines our faith, like the culture that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were living in. There's so much to be said here. We can only touch the surface. Um, So let me unpack it under just three headings. So we'll hit kind of some highlights. Uh, First, the persistence of human faith In human power, the persistence of human faith in human power. Second, the temporary nature of human approval, the temporary nature of human approval. And then, third, and finally, really looking at that statement of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're going to look at the precision of genuine faith in God, the precision of genuine saving faith in God. So much in this chapter. Um, So first, verses 1 through 7, the persistence of human faith in human power. Um, You know, it's important that we keep this in context. And this episode immediately follows what was recorded in Daniel 2, right? And that is that the king had had a dream, a troubling dream, a dream that kept him up at night. A dream about a gigantic statue with a golden head and feet of clay. Turns out that that dream was a message from God to the king. Uh, it was God showing King Nebuchadnezzar the future, and Daniel uh, was uh, God's agent to to help unpack the dream uh, for the king, and uh, Daniel explained to Nebuchadnezzar that uh, is looking at this statue, right? With the, that the head of gold was him. It was, it was the Babylonian empire, but the body represented empires that would follow after his inferior to his. Uh, and, um, but even more troubling than the sort of the implicit suggestion that maybe his empire wouldn 't last forever was this uh, picture of the of this rock not cut with human hands, uh, destroying the statue, bringing it to nothing, right just pulverizing all of the empires uh, of the world. Uh, God's message to him being that that was really the fate of his empire. It's the fate of every worldly empire that in the end, the only empire that will be standing is the empire that belongs to the Lord, uh, our God. Um, Nebuchadnezzar seemed to have received that message. Uh, he, he paid res- great respect to Daniel. Uh, he paid respect to Daniel's God. Um, but obviously the truth of it did not sink in. Uh, it didn't impact Nebuchadnezzar for long because as we turn the page here uh, to chapter 3, uh, what's, what's he doing? <laughs> he, he, he's building this gigantic statue, all of gold, and, and uh, it, it clearly represents him, uh, in his kingdom, his gods, it's a monument to human achievement and political power. Uh, the author you heard, as I read it, goes to great pains to show you that this is, a, this is a man-made artifice. How many times did did it say the image that he had set up, image that he had set up, the image that he had set up, I mean, right? As as one commentator said, uh, the author is trying to communicate that this is a big setup job. Um, it, you can't avoid the implication here, right? Having just re- looked at ch- chapter two and now into the first half of chapter three, that that the, that the king is really trying to defy this dream, isn't it? He's, he's working against the dream. He's pushing against the God who, who gave him this message, right? He's not going to be just the head of gold, right? He's going to be the whole golden enchilada, right? No inferior kingdoms, just one kingdom, his, the golden one. Uh, and it's going to be at the center of reality. It's going to last, and there is going to be no God who will defy him, get in his way, which is exactly what he said to to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. said, you know, if you don't worship this statue that represents me and my empire, who is the God who will deliver you uh, out of my hands, right? The huge personal political power play here. Right? In defiance of uh, the future that has been revealed to him by, by Daniel's God. Um, well... Listen, in a world that uh, largely rejects the God of the Bible, whether that's Babylon or whether it's our culture, uh, that doesn't mean that we are left without uh, any God, right? Uh, if something always fills the vacuum that is created when human beings try to eject God from the center of life where he, you know, where he rightfully belongs. A pseudo-God will fill that vacuum. And one of the things that persistently fills that vacuum, has historically, and it continues to do so today, is the state. The state is a, is a persistent pseudo-God that fills the vacuum when, when, when human beings try to push God out of life. Um, When people don't rely on the power of God, they will rely on the power of politicians. I mean, what's the currency you need today to achieve uh, justice, prosperity, order, morality, uh, happiness? You need political power. It's all about political power, right? Watch Fox News, watch CNN, watch MSNBC, watch CNBC, watch C-SPAN. Right. It's, that's the currency of our day, because that's the pseudo-God of our, our day. That, and uh, that's why you and I, as people of faith in Jesus, are, are pressured, uh, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, uh, perhaps not with being burned alive, but pressured to keep our faith in Jesus private. Right. Because Jesus is a competing sovereign. Sovereign. Right? Politicians don't like that. So we're put under pressure not to bring Jesus into public life, cultural life, to not let Jesus inform how we do business, uh, how we do education, how we parent our children, how we practice our sexuality, how we define gender and marriage. Listen, Nebuchadnezzar didn't care if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego worshipped their their Hebrew God behind closed doors, uh, you know, in their homes. Um, but he insisted that publicly they worship the state, right? That they, that they bow down to the statue. And it is not unlike our situation here, right? People don't care what we're doing here behind these closed walls as long as we keep it behind these walls, People don't care about your devotions around your your dinner table at home. But there is great pressure, right, to not bring what's behind the walls here out into life, right? And we are under pressure uh, of all kinds to conform in our words, to conform in our actions, to conform in our attitudes. And we are... uh, you know, we can be more like Nebuchadnezzar than we, than we would care to admit uh, in, in, in the sense that we can and do under this pressure, make this, can, we can and do sometimes make the state, make political power an idol. It, the thing we have to have in, in order to, to, you know, to have the kind of welfare, the kind of, the kind of life that we want. And that's why we see so many Christians getting fearful or despairing or panicked if we are on the losing side of a political battle. It's why so many Christians have become indistinguishable from believers, uh, from unbelievers, uh, in, in the way we, uh, we talk to and about other people and one another. It's why so many Christians pursue politics with the kind of fervor that used to be reserved for the Lord. Now look, I'm not saying, of course I'm not saying, that there's not a place for the state uh, or politics or political power. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel show us that. They work for a state, right? Uh, they are there, they are uh, by God's appointment. They work for the state, but they don't worship it. They don't overtrust in it. What you see with Daniel, and now what you see with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is wise, faith-based decisions, where they are both right, right here, right, both sim- simultaneously serving the government and defying the government. Um, And they're doing that in the confidence that God is working out his good purposes because they know that God is invisibly and powerfully working in and through every government which is ordained by the hand of God, as governments are. And it it is interesting that... um, you know, if at the end of this chapter, spoiler alert, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like Daniel at the end of chapter 2, get promoted. Right? It's, I mean, if, any, if there was ever a sort of a time to be tempted to, to kind of retreat into one's silo, to write off the government that just tried to kill me, uh, it would have been that, but, no, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't do that, right? They, uh, they, they, they go back to work, um, but even as they did, they knew, they knew well what we need to remember, and that is that government is not our savior, government is not the guarantor of our lives, God alone is. And we, in line with scripture, right, respect and support the, the, the government as we can and as we are able. And yet, when it requires us uh, to disobey a command of God, uh, then we are required to obey God rather than the government. Pretty clear case here with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Um, they're being called to to um, violate the first and second commandments of the ten. Right? That's it. It's clear. Bow down to the statue, worship it. Uh, wait a minute. That that means I'm violating the first command of God and the second command of God. Can't do that. Right. Um. You know the situation we find ourselves in today uh, is, uh, is is not as cut and dry as the one Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were facing. It's uh, you know we have reasonable Christians taking different positions on on questions of you know do we submit do we defy, uh, and that's because you know we're we're in a very complex sin driven world. Um, And our wisdom isn't perfect. And so we're humbly doing our best to make wisdom calls. And sometimes those wisdom calls don't agree. Um, What we need to do is is keep supporting each other and keep treating each other with grace and love and uh, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, humility, and self-control. And we need to remember closing this point out that at the, at the end of the day God controls the politicians right Proverbs 21.1 is one we all ought to remember in these crazy days right the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord he turns it wherever he will king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord he turns it wherever he will so there is a you know there's a persistence of human faith and human power um, and that's not where our faith needs to be our faith needs to be in the Lord and in that faith we we, we serve human power whenever we can and we defy it when we have to second the, the temporary nature of human approval. That's verses 8 through 15. You know, we're not just tempted to over-rely on political power at the expense of relying on God. Uh, we are sometimes tempted to over-rely on other people at the expense of God. To rely on the approval of other people uh, at the expense of relying on the approval of God. Um, it 's a big one for for me, I think probably for a lot of us, right, and we give expression to that tendency in us with that phrase that we throw around right it 's not what you know it 's who you know right it 's all about who you know, what, what are your, your relationships who, who, who 's in your network, uh, whose approval do you have, who will support you, who will not um, But this episode reminds uh, you and me again of just how fickle and uh, temporary and insufficient as a foundation for our lives human approval really is. Um, Daniel had... Think about it, right? Daniel had just saved the lives of these wise men. Remember? Uh, Because the wise men couldn't... come up with the king's dream or interpret it he issued a empire wide execution order all the wise men in, in the Babylonian empire to be executed uh, Daniel manages to get that execution order reversed I mean all the wise men in the empire owe their life uh, to Daniel and his associates Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego uh, but now the same people who had just been saved um, viciously go after them. Daniel's not in the picture here, so they go after uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and it's all in verse twelve there. And it's it's it, you know this kind this uh, ancient Near East narrative is especially of the Hebrew variety uh, is is pretty sparing on details, but sometimes there's just some brilliant stuff in here. And that verse twelve is just filled with. Kind of great uh, insights into human psychology. Um, the first thing you hear is that these wise men, these Chaldean wise men, um, they essentially launch a racist attack. Right? The, the, you, you can't not hear the racist overtones in, in in their statement when they go to the king. Oh, king, right? Live forever, oh king. There are certain Jews. Yeah. They didn't need to say that. They could have just said Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, uh, there are certain Jews. Uh, so you get this, these racist overtones. And then you go on in verse 12, and you get what almost is certainly some degree of professional jealousy. There are certain Jews whom you appointed to these influential positions in the empire that we wanted that we could do that we're more qualified for professional jealousy and then finally in verse 12 they they resort to just an out just outright lying and king they pay no attention to you well that's just false (laughs) Um, yes they've made a discreet decision to disobey the king in one matter we're not going to we're not going to bow down and worship the statue. We're not going to worship your gods that way. Not worship worship your gods at all. Uh, but, other, but other than that, as far as we know, these they they continued to be faithful servants of the king, and we know some of among his best advisors. They weren't blowing the king off here, uh, and yet that was the suggestion. Now, listen. This, this probably sounds familiar to you. I, I, I have no doubt some of you have experienced this uh, in, out, out in life, in school or in business. Um, uh, I, I remember in, in, my, in the business world before I uh, became a pastor, I, I've, I had a couple of occasions where, where people took credit for work I did, you know, to their advantage and to my disadvantage, um, I've had people in the church say outright lies about me, and uh, you know that's troubling. <laughs> and it makes you know when you're when you're faced with these situations, right? And I'm sure you you guys have experienced similar things. People. People do these things i haven 't been the subject of a racist attack, but i 'm an old white guy and i know but I know some of you have uh, dealt with uh, uh, you know ra- racial uh, racial uh, prejudice or discrimination um, the it makes the psalms come alive doesn 't it because so ma- many of the psalms are are david uh, you know um, Going to God and reflecting on uh, the the loss of his human support system, right friends stabbing him in the back, people saying lies about him, um, just and, 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 it, and it hurts and uh, but we need to do what, what 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 David does in those situations in those psalms right and it 's not to become cynical and it 's not to become vengeful. Uh, it's it 's to it 's to be reminded that look people are a mess there 's all kinds of things that motive, motive, that might motivate their behavior including sin but but ultimately i 'm not looking to them for my approval i 'm not looking to them as the as the foundation for my life, as for the, for the source of my well-being, uh, my, my ultimate hope has to be in the Lord, you know, not, not, not in, in other people, as, as important as they may be. Because uh, the Lord doesn't change, and his approval of us doesn't change, because it's based on the work of Christ. Thankfully. His approval would change of me all the time if it was based on my work. But God's approval of me, God's acceptance of me, God's acceptance of you doesn't change because it's based on the completed, finished work of Christ, perfectly done for you on your behalf. Um, you know, there's a great insight about Jesus on this point in, in John's gospel. Right at the beginning of John's gospel, John chapter 2, uh, he, Jesus is on an early trip to Jerusalem. He's in Jerusalem. It's Passover time. And he is um, he's teaching, he's preaching. Uh, John says he's performing signs and miracles. And, and a buzz is developing around Jesus in Jerusalem, people are beginning to gather. People are saying good things about him. That's a, that's a critical moment, isn't it? Um, that's a moment when uh, you know you like to believe your you know your own press. You like to, you want to believe and 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 what what other people are are saying about you. You want to you want to. Uh, you know, get him to write it down so you could post it on Facebook. It, but but that's not what but that's not what Jesus does. Um, John John says this, but Jesus on his part on his part did not entrust himself to them, to the people who were around him and speaking well of him. He did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man for he knew himself what was in man. Yeah. That's not to say Jesus was cynical. It's not to say Jesus didn't love people. Jesus magnificently loved people. He just didn't make people his ultimate trust. He didn't make their approval his, his, his ultimate ground of, of being and, and, and satisfaction. No, his ultimate trust was his father, in his father. He sought the father's approval. Right? Loved people. And, and I'm sure, you know, didn't, didn't mind the approval. But just didn't entrust himself to it trusted himself to his father and, 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 you know, we really need to do the same. So there's this persistent tendency we have to trust in, in, in this, in human power rather than in the Lord, uh, to make the state a pseudo God in in favor of, instead of God, there's this temptation we have to, 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 to play off human approval, um, which would have been deadly in, well, was almost deadly in in Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego's case, uh, because their that approval was stabbing them in the back. And now we're going to look at 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 the genuine, what what the, the precision of genuine faith, what it looks like. What I got the word precision from from Tim Keller. Um, because, and I think it's a good, it's a good thing, I think, to, a good word, We're, because genuine faith, saving faith, is is precise. And I think we, we tend to have kind of vague notions about faith. You know, what is faith? That we, it's our definitions of it, a little squishy, a little vague maybe. Sometimes we talk about faith as if it is, it, like it's something that, that saves, and it's of course it isn't. Uh, you know, we don't have faith in faith. What faith? The importance of faith is what it connects us to, right? Uh, well, this this episode shows us three things about genuine faith. Three parts of genuine faith in Christ. First, when you read that statement, and I'm going to read it again. It's worth reading again, just so we have it in mind as we. A close up here at dealing with this um, uh, where is it here here we go um, O Nebuchadnezzar we have no need to answer you in this matter think about that tell him the most powerful man in the world we, we don't have to answer you here um, if this be so Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. But if not, we will be known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. Um, First, genuine faith trusts that God is sovereign over everything. Right, Implicit in that statement is, is a... Belief in and trust in the sovereignty of God. And how many times do we go to the, back to this point? Um, sometimes I feel when it comes to the sovereignty of God, I'm a one-string guitar. But, but, but we do because the Bible keeps going back to it. It's, it's, it's a theme that the Bible keeps hammering. A true believer exercising true faith rests in God's sovereignty. A true believer knows like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that God controls every molecule of the universe and every detail of your life. And a true believer knows and trusts that God, being sovereign, has the power and the ability to change course, to change the ordinary course of human events, to 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 do the unpredictable, to do the unlikely, to right? including delivering from suffering and Death, at least for a time. We all die eventually. But is this the day I'm going to die? Is this the day Abednego is going to die? Um. So that's the first thing. Genuine faith, trust that God's sovereign. Second, genuine faith is not presuming that, or does not presume that you know what God's will is in 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 every circumstance right that that's comes out of the verse eighteen, but if not right, but even if God doesn't deliver us out of your hand uh we still won't obey uh, excuse me, we still won't worship your gods um, you know th- that that statement Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are communicating a few things, right? They they are communicating that they know God could save them. They believe that God will save them, one way or another. But but, But they're not sure, right? They're not sure if he will save them from the fiery furnace. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Maybe they walk, maybe they burn. They weren't sure. That's why the but if not. Um, they simply placed themselves in God's hands and, 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 and would live or die by what God decided for them. That they didn't know. Um, you know, sometimes we can turn faith into presumption. It's pretty easy to do that. Um, some, you may, you have, may have prayed this way in the past, or maybe you've heard somebody pray this way. Uh, it's, in some circles, it's pretty common um, where, where someone will pray, um, you know, I bind the cancer. Right? Or I call down deliverance from the furnace. Well, now you've stepped over from faith to presumption. Right, because in a, in a, it's, you are either saying I know what God's going to do in this situation or you are commanding God to, to do something in this situation and expect that he will but either way that's, that, that's presumption it's not the kind of humble it doesn't have that humility that genuine faith does yeah. he may deliver me he certainly can, he may not, but even if he doesn't, right? um, we're not going to obey you, King. It's, you know, I prayed a lot with the elders, you know, we prayed with, uh, with Pete, Sarah, and Roger Pine, I just mentioned those two men, we pray with a lot of you. Uh, But mention those two because they just recently died, right? And we prayed for them. We anointed them with oil uh, and prayed for their healing from cancer. Uh, We believed God could do it. uh, But we never presumed that God would, right? Um, We would not have been surprised had he done it. uh, But we weren't going to presume that he was going to do it. And um, and in fact, that's where most of us live, right? It's by by definition, miracles are exceptional. Uh, we we don't expect you know last second deliverances from fiery furnaces, uh, uh, you know, as a matter of course. Those things are unusual. Many times, many times, God. God's answer to our prayers is no. No, he he will not deliver you from suffering or death. But listen, hear me, right? He always, without exception, he always will deliver you, Christian, through suffering and death. Right? We have to make a distinction between what you might call temporal suffering and death, and ultimate suffering and death. Right? We're all going to die. There's going to come a point where physici- we're going to physically die once, and and that is uh, we're promised that in Scripture. So there's going to come a point when God won't deliver us from it. Uh, but you know, is it going to be today? You know, is is Abednego going to die in the in the furnace that day, or is is God going to save him from it to to, to die? On a later day, is is Jim going to be healed uh, from cancer, or is he going to die uh, from it? Um, the you know God's answers to that differ. Sometimes he will, he does deliver us from from that kind of temporal suffering and death. Many times he does not, but he always, always delivers us through suffering and death and and i'm, I'm that deserves unpacking and it's going to happen next sunday because that's really one of the key messages coming out of the burning fiery furnace is 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 how god saves us through suffering uh, and death but don't forget it right um Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have been just as delivered, actually more delivered, had they had they died in the furnace. Right? Um, uh, they would have known resurrection. Um, uh, they, the, God saved them from dying that day, only to die another day. Okay, third thing. So so genuine faith, trust that God's sovereign. Genuine faith doesn't presume that we know what God's will is in every situation. And third, and this is the tough one, tr- genuine faith is trusting God, not an outcome. It's trusting God, not an outcome. Uh, this is a fine line, and I think we, we often... Uh, fall on the wrong side of the line, um, you know what masquerades for genuine faith is can be uncovered when when favorable outcomes don 't happen right when 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 our health uh, goes away when our wealth goes away, when our careers go sideways, when our family self-destructs, or when survival of of, of a loved one is at stake. What happens, right? And we we, we, we pray about those situations, and, and what and if we if we don't get a favorable outcome, uh, sometimes what will happen, and I've seen it happen, is that people will. Um, uh, you know they 'll they will uh, walk away from god which which really sh- shows doesn 't it that uh, that that person never was really trusting God but but trusting outcomes that God could deliver, trusting that God would be. Uh, his or her agent in producing the outcomes that he or she was really trust, really trusting in, right? Um, uh, it's it's so easy, and it, it and you don't have to. I, you know, we, we wake up to it all the time. It's, it's you know, when 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 circumstances go south, and and we're we're upset and undone. What. You know, some, sometimes I check myself and go, "Wait a minute! What you know? What have I? What I've been trusting in?" Right. A lot of us have been, you know, looking at our four hundred one k's in this sort of wild ride we've been on in the, in our finances, right? Right. And you can you look at your declining balances and begin to have a panic attack, or you can remember, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> right. I'm not trusting in an outcome here. I'm. Yeah, yeah. As measured by my bank account balance, I am trusting in God. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Our God is a God of salvation, and to God the Lord belong deliverances from death. Right? We trust God. God's our salvation. Uh, see, I need to. I when what what I when I think about it, I need to love and trust God. M- more like I love and trust my wife Linda right I don't love and trust Linda for what she can do for me right and every husband better say amen to that right I love and trust Linda I'm appreciative and thankful for all that she does for me but that's not why I love Linda she can stop doing those things I love Linda because she's Linda Right, I love her for the person she is, and that's how it is. Well, that's how it is with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, love you, God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna we're gonna follow you. Um, I'm not, not, not if uh, I'm not trusting in an outcome. Think about if they were trusting in an outcome. I put myself in their shoes. I, I do, was doing that this week. And, and you know, one of the outcomes that I find that I can easily trust in rather than God is survival. Right? Pretty basic outcome. I'd like to survive. What if that was their, uh, you know, what, what they were trusting in? And it could, they could easily do that, right? Because God had given them... God had placed them here, taken them to Babylon, blessed them there, put them in these important government positions. They're now in influential positions where they they have they're in the position to influence Babylon, they're in an influence to influence position to influence the other Jews in captivity. They're obviously leaders and examples to them. They're saying, "I well, I can't, you know, I can't jeopardize what God has given me over here." You know, I've got to survive so I can serve in these positions that God gives. So what will I do? Well, I'll just, you know, I'll do a passing nod to the statue. I will physically nod, but mentally I won't. I'm a great rationalizer. Um, But they wouldn't do that. Um, See, because their trust was in God, not an outcome didn't matter if they survived or not. I'm trusting God. Right? He'll, he's, he's got this. Let me close with this. It all boils down to one important question. And, and this question was, it was asked by um, Oxford professor John Lennox, who's a mathematics guy, who, who wrote a commentary on Daniel. Still trying to figure that out. But he's a lot smarter than I am. Uh, mathematician, philosopher of science. And in his commentary on Daniel, John Lennox asks this question, reflecting on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Is there really something more valuable than human life? Especially when that life is your life. That's the question. He says, we got to... We got to wrestle with here. Is there is there something more valuable than human life, especially your life? I would submit to you that the answer is yes, and that something more valuable is Jesus. Think about Jesus for a minute. You know, Jesus also had a Shadrach moment, and sometimes I think we're we're we're, we're too, in too much of a hurry. To, to to get to the cross or to get to the fiery furnace that we miss the Shadrach moment. Jesus' Shadrach moment was in the Garden of Gethsemane where God gave Jesus sort of a sneak preview, right? A trailer of coming attractions. Here's the fiery furnace that you're going to get thrown into. Here, here it is. Look at it. Feel it. Here's the cup of my... Uh, my wrath against sin. You know, take a whiff of that. Right. And it's really great that God did that in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and, it's, and of course, it's why Jesus was in such, uh, you know, he was in extremis in the Garden, right? Sweating blood. Because God was showing him these things. And God was doing that for a reason because he wanted Jesus to have informed consent right he didn't want Jesus to be blindsided by anything when he went to the cross God wanted Jesus to know what he was facing fully right and so what does Jesus do well he sees that and, and, he, and he, he does what we would all do in our human hum, human natures right is is, is it possible, Father, to do something else? Do I really have to die? Can we come up with another way that doesn't involve my dying? And, and the answer that Jesus gets back from his Father is no. It's not possible to do something else. If you want to save the people I've given you, if you want them to share in your glory, And to enjoy your life and your your abundant life, your eternal life, your joy, uh, then you have to die to suffer to satisfy divine justice for their sins. You have to go into the furnace. You have to drink this cup, this cup. Um, And here's what I want you to remember Jesus chose obedience. Over survival. Jesus chose obedience over survival. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did too. That's how deeply Jesus Christ loves you. Right? So is there something more important than my human life, my human life, my 60, 70, 80 years, however many years the Lord gives me here? uh, Is there something more important than that? Yeah, it's Jesus who who chose obedience, meaning death, over survival for me. That's more important. If the Son of God did that for me, did that for you, how can we do any less? Remembering that that obedience even unto death it has been converted by what Jesus did into, as Paul says, being swallowed up by life. Death is now being swallowed up by life. The world laughs at that and says we are Pollyannish and we are, we are um, uh, ignoring the harsh realities of, of, of dying. No, we're not. Because three days after he was killed and buried, Jesus walked out of it too. Amen. Right. That's our, that is our trust. And, uh, and on the scale of eternity, it really is the only right and good choice. Right? Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for um, this wonderful event in history. Thank you for the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Thank you more for your son who chose obedience even unto death on a cross uh, rather than his survival, which he easily could have done. Um, Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Lord, forgive us where we get off center. Make other things our, our functional Trusts our pseudo-gods. Um, just recalibrate us, please, by your grace and, uh, and help us uh, to walk, Lord, uh, in, in the power of the Spirit, uh, with the fruit of the Spirit, um, without fear uh, and with great love, uh, showing our friends, showing the world uh, who you are. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. You've been listening to Ted Hamilton, Senior Pastor of New Life Presbyterian Church, Escondido. Please visit us in Escondido, California, or online at newlifepca.com. New Life Presbyterian Church, Escondido, reserves all copyrights as applicable by law. Thank you for listening.